people I've seen come out of college and into the professional world and they love design. Like they, they want nothing to do with project management. They want nothing to do with contractors. They want to just sit in their cubicle and crunch numbers. I've also seen people who were very excited to design and they start it and they're like, this isn't what I thought it's going to be. And so they go more towards the project management role. So it's, it's really, you know, your experience, the way you, your company treats design, uh, the actual projects you're working on, you know, there's a variety of factors. And so I would say, whatever you do, come in with an open mind, don't close off design, don't close off project management, don't close off, you know, the idea of, I want to do only one thing. Hey everyone, I'm here with my friend Reed, who is a civil engineer. I'm excited to talk with him today because I know a lot of young people are looking to enter the field of engineering without maybe fully knowing what's on the other side of college. And so it's going to be fun to kind of pull the veil back a little bit and see what it's really like day in, day out. So Reed, thank you so much for being on the show, man. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. So civil engineering, give us a definition of what that means, what you do, and then we'll dive deeper as we go. Well, on a pretty broad scale, civil engineering is an engineering uh, discipline that deals with designing, you know, infrastructure that you use day in and day out, roads, bridges, even stuff that you don't really use, but you still happen to maybe see, you know, pipes, stormwater design, wastewater treatment plants. When you flush your toilet, where does all that go? When you run your sink, where does all that go? So basically, you know, all the infrastructure on how you live your life. Do most civil engineers work for governments? Do they work for construction companies? Is it kind of all over the place? You know, it's kind of all over the place, actually. Um, there's, you know, private and public. You know, public would be for a government agency. Um, private, you could be for a construction firm, for a consulting firm. I don't have percentages, but I would say there's probably more in the private sector. Okay, gotcha. Do you work in the private sector? I do, yes. Interesting. And how long have you been a uh, civil engineer? Um, almost exactly four and a half years. Okay. So I graduated college in 2017, came to uh, my current job, which is uh, airport consulting, and I've been there ever since. So you got the job straight out of college then. Was there internships that went into that? Did you network your way into that job? Did you just get lucky? Kind of walk us through that process because that first job is always the hardest, I feel like, to, to land. Right. Um, so I did intern throughout college with uh, one company called Peloton Land Solutions, um, and they did like general site design. So like uh, there's a big shopping center over in West Fort Worth called um, Edwards Ranch. So they did all that. They, you know, did like Panera parking lots, Alliance Town Center in Fort Worth. So I interned with them throughout college and then was actually going to go work for them. But then at the last minute, uh, this kind of fell into my lap. And so I interviewed and got the job. So I interned, but not for this job, I guess is my point. Awesome. And how did you get those internships? Was it just all through college? The college set it up for you? Did you have to do any additional work to get those internships? What was that like? No, I wish I could say I was a, you know, a good student or very active in getting it, but I actually met the wife of the president of the company at a college or a high school graduation party. Okay. Um, so, I mean, just by sheer luck, kind of, I guess, driving the point home, you know, it's, it's who you know. Yeah. 
yeah, networking is a big theme of this show, just because the more I talk to people, the more I'm realizing it's those exact connections. You know, everybody seems to have some type of story like that where, oh, yep, I met the wife of the president of the company or the hiring manager, and it just so happened. So, yeah, right. I know it's a little difficult for maybe introverts to hear, but you got to be willing to put yourself out there and just, yeah, put it out there in the universe. Hey, I'm interested in engineering. That's and then potentially your network can uh, take you there. For sure. Um, yeah, because I would classify myself as an introvert. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it, it's definitely harder for me just to like approach people I don't know. I would say maybe I'm an extrovert around, you know, good friends, but just to like, you know, cold call somebody or just walk up to somebody is is a lot harder for me being an introvert. Yeah. Um, but really, it's invaluable just if you're trying to, you know, get a job or trying to put your foot into an industry just to kind of have that confidence to just go introduce yourself, you know, shake hands and form a relationship with people because you really don't know just how far it can get you. Yeah, it's true. Do you feel like the stereotype of a lot of engineers being introverts holds true or do you feel like there's a lot of variation? I would say it holds true, but probably not as much as people think. There, there are definitely, you know, dark cubicle number crunching engineers, but there are engineers with, you know, personality yeah. um, who can engage and like actually have a conversation. So I'd say it holds true, but just not quite as much as the stereotype. So Reed, I know a lot of people, when they're thinking about going into engineering, they have a lot of difficulty deciding which discipline to choose. Like, do I go mechanical engineering? Do I go civil engineering, you know, software, electrical, whatever. How did you decide on civil engineering specifically? And do you have any advice for someone who is looking to pick a path? Um, so my story is I kind of always enjoyed like just seeing how roads were built um, or just driving down the road, you know, having the option to choose like, you know, you go west or go east. And that's a really basic example. But I guess, you know, at the root of it, I just love like the idea of building the world that we use. So if that's something that you're interested in, definitely consider civil engineering. You know, I give roads as an example. There's tons of other stuff, roads, airports, you know, railways, et cetera. But really, you can't go wrong with any discipline of engineering. I mean, even in mechanical, that's very broad, but there's so many different facets of mechanical engineering. Likewise, with electrical or nuclear, you know, or what have you, uh, just if you have any sort of interest, you can really narrow that down into some form of engineering. Do you feel like if you wanted to, you could do other types of engineering with any engineering degree? So like, hey, I went to be a civil engineer, found out, you know what, actually that wasn't for me. Maybe I could do something in mechanical. Or do you feel like you really do kind of have to try to find your niche and stick with it? Yeah, um, no, that, that's a really good question. Yes and no. Yes, because we actually have a civil engineer at our company who went to school to become an aerospace engineer. So I, I think... In engineering school, you learn how to learn. Now, of course, there's different, you know, classes that you take or there's different paths that you take where you kind of specialize. But I think a lot of the knowledge is transferable. Now, it'd be hard to make a transition between like civil engineer and electrical engineer. Like you need a lot more classes. You need to take, you know, different exams. There's not as much overlap there. So exactly. Yeah. But I, I think that some of the skills are transferable. And as an engineer, you are specialized in your area, but you also know how to learn. Yeah. So you can pick something else up. That makes sense. I think most people know that you need some type of engineering degree, most likely in order to be an engineer. Do you need any other certifications to do what you do specifically? Or were you able to do it just with your bachelor's? Um, so I was able to get hired with just my bachelor's. And you have to get that from an ABET accredited school. I think it stands for Accreditation Board of Engineering and Technology. Jobs in the industry recognize these schools that are ABET accredited. Accredited. But then to actually be a licensed civil engineer, you have to take your PE exam, professional engineering exam. 
So that gives me the opportunity to sign off on, you know, drawings and what. Gotcha. How long did it take to do the PE exam? Was it a lot of extra study on top of school? Yeah, it, uh, so I took it, I took it this year. It's a lot of studying. It's an eight hour test and you can take it in some states. They've decoupled it where you can take it like the day you graduate college. Other states, you have to get four years minimum experience. So I took it in Oklahoma where it's decoupled. So I took it just before my four years was up. So what skills do you think are most important for the role for you, Reed? Is it really just knowing a lot of math? Is it a lot of common sense? Is it people skills? Like what would you say is like, yeah, you should be working on these sets of skills in order to prepare for a career in engineering? Honestly, and it might come as a surprise, I would say it's probably 50 to 60% technical knowledge, but 40 to 50% of soft skills. I think, you know, especially civil engineers dealing with public entities or, you know, private clients or what have you, you really have to have like soft skills. You have to be able to communicate effectively. You have to have possible difficult conversations with the contractor. You know, as you hire newer folks and they're younger engineers, you have to be able to communicate and and teach them, you know, what you know, maybe in a way that's different from how you learned it. So you have to kind of hone in on your teaching skills. So I'd say there's a lot of soft skills that people don't quite think of when you think of a typical glasses engineer. It's not quite as much number crunching as you think. Uh, It's a lot of dealing with people. Yeah, that makes sense. So my next question I feel like is the meat of the show. I really just want to unpack what do you feel like is a typical day? And obviously every day probably looks a little bit different, but just be as detailed as you can. Like what projects are you working on? How often are you dealing with people? Are you emailing meetings all day? Are you number crunching? Like just kind of paint that picture for us. Sure. So right now I'm, I'm kind of in this transition from like a project designer where it is more number crunching, you know, AutoCAD, that sort of stuff into like a project coordinator, project manager. So a typical day for me includes talking a lot on the phone, uh, mostly to younger engineers, kind of helping guide them along, like I was just talking about, because they're the ones who are now designing. Um, So I'm able to teach them what I know. And then it's also on the flip side of that, kind of reporting to my project manager, you know, hey, this is where we are. I've talked to this sub consultant, or I've talked to this contractor, you know, here's the status update. So it's a lot of back and forth communication uh, over the phone, over email, not to be discouraging, but there's a lot of email writing. And honestly, you know, sometimes if it's a if it's an external email, I'll sit there and try to type it up, reread it. So sending one email could take, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes because it conveys a lot of information. Yeah. We've got scheduled meetings, design team meetings where we get together as a team. You know, we kind of talk about, okay, what do we get done in the last week? You know, where does this stand? What do we have left to do? Are we going to meet our deadline? And that's for a multiple projects going on at once. So definitely a lot of communication. Like I said, some of the projects I'm working on right now, we are working on a multi-phase project at an airport up in Virginia. So there was an initial phase where we had to relocate a parking lot. There's a second phase where we had to expand on the parking apron, uh, meaning where the aircraft park. Um, a lot of people call the tarmac, which fun fact is actually not the correct term. What Some is the correct call. term? Do you know? Uh, you can call it an, an apron or a ramp. Huh. So I'll engineer it out. Yeah. A tarmac is, a, is actually a type of asphalt manufactured uh, in England. So it's just kind of like a general name. People would call like a tissue, a Kleenex. People would call, you know, an apron, a tarmac. Makes sense. Yeah. So, um, but anyways, back to the point, <laughs> uh, we had to expand uh, their parking apron 
And then other phase that we're working on right now, we're relocating the terminal building. So basically we're kind of shifting everything away from where it is existing. So there's a lot of coordination involved, you know, back and forth with the architect, back and forth with the airport, you know, making sure that we're meeting their needs, a lot of coordination with, you know, the water department, the fire department, city development, that sort of stuff. So what does a project look like in terms of how long it takes from your, from your end, start to finish? Do you have the client meet with you guys say, Hey, this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to move this you know, from here to here. And then does an architect get involved first? Do you have somebody go out in the field and assess like, okay, here's what it is. Here's where we need to be. And then like, I guess, I guess just kind of unpack, like what does a project actually look like and how long do you guys spend on it? And what are the steps involved? I know that that's super broad because every project is probably a little bit different, but if you can kind of just give us an idea. Yeah, for sure. Um, So, I mean, big picture, a project really begins oftentimes years in advance we fill out a thing called a capital improvement program um, where we kind of identify three, four five years ahead of time. Hey, this is coming down the pipeline. Let's start, you know, allocating money towards it. So that's kind of like step one. And then when you secure funding for it and you actually kick the project off, that's when you get together with the FAA, aid agencies, you know, different review agencies, uh, the client, if there's an architect, the architect, um, any sort of sub-consultants, and you kind of have like a design kickoff where you present the project, this is the goal, you know, this is what the, the end product should be, and you kind of hash through the different design decisions that might have to be made, you talk schedule, and then once you get it kicked off, you know, you get into design, and I'd say, a, you know, a typical design project probably lasts about nine months to a year. Okay. You know, in that time, you're you're designing it. You get to certain milestones. Uh, you go back to the client. You go back to the architect. You kind of present what you've done, and then you kind of, I would say, evolve the design. It's definitely iterative. Meaning, like you do something, you kind of take a step back, you reevaluate, and so that, that's pretty high level. But yeah, I'd say probably not nine months to a year. Yeah, that makes sense. So the design process, obviously, I'm, I'm not imagining you're sitting there with a pen and paper and drawing everything out, or maybe you are. Like, what does actually design look like from the civil engineer's perspective? Mm-hmm. Well, there's, um, you know, AutoCAD where you have your drawing. So you get a, a survey of the site. You know, if you've seen people on the side of the road looking into like a tripod looking thing, yes, that's a surveyor. Um, so basically, they're taking the topography of the ground and putting it into AutoCAD. So you get a 3D model of what the ground is. And then from there, you can design your grading in AutoCAD Civil 3D. So, you know, you can set the runway at certain elevations and you can say, okay, it can't be this steep or it can't be this flat. And you can actually model out what it should look like. And then, of course, there's spreadsheets, you know, kind of going back to the stereotype. Uh, There's stormwater design. You know, you are adding oftentimes a lot of pavement where, you know, rain can't get absorbed into the ground. So it's got to go somewhere. And usually that can cause flooding. If you ever hear about, you know, neighbor's properties being flooded, pipes getting flooded, you know, you drive through a road and you just go through this huge puddle of water. That's stuff that we're trying to avoid. So you have to basically design, you know, where's the water going to go? Is this pipe large enough? So there's definitely a lot of spreadsheets that will help you determine all that. So I'd say that's the, the number crunching aspect of it. So you said, you mentioned AutoCAD, you mentioned spreadsheets. Mm. When you're in the design phase, you're sitting at your desk. Are you using those two systems a lot? Do you have other software packages that you use? Yeah. So mostly it's AutoCAD um, and specifically AutoCAD Civil 3D. 
Is that something that people can work on before they're in a role or is it pretty usually like the company owns the software? It's kind of hard to get your hands on it. Or is that something somebody could practice with beforehand? Oh, for sure. Yeah, you can. I think there's a free version online you can download. Awesome. Um, and certainly if, if you have the chance to in college, take an AutoCAD drafting class. I did not have any experience in AutoCAD until I went to my internship. Mm -hmm. So I, I feel like in hindsight, I didn't spend so much time doing engineering work at my internship. I did more learning how to draft in AutoCAD, yeah, which was still very helpful, but maybe not as beneficial as it could have been had I already known how. So if there's a chance to take like a one or two credit hour class in college, definitely consider it. So AutoCAD, AutoCAD Civil 3D, Excel, we use for our stormwater and drainage design, we use a program called uh, SSA, Storm and Sanitary Analysis, where you can model different types of ground cover, meaning specifically what kind of grass is this? Like how, how good can it absorb water? Wow. Um, and, you know, what's the impervious cover? Like how much pavement is there? What size pipe is this? So that's a software that we use. You know, we use Word and, and PowerPoint, you know, the office suite, because we have, you know, Word documents that we'll send out. PowerPoints that we'll give presentations to clients with. We're starting to get into, I think it's an Autodesk software. It's called InfraWorks. So it's like 3D modeling, but more, more visual, not so much design. That's something that I haven't really used, but I know we're starting to use as a company. So definitely something I want to learn more about. Gotcha. One more question about like kind of the typical day. And then I think we'll move on to more broad level stuff. How much time do you spend in a day, would you say on email versus meetings? versus designing, or is, does it just depend on where you are in a project? That's a good question. Um, right now, I would say in my current role with the company, it's, it's more so emailing and on phone calls and meetings. It's a lot of internal communication. Right. Internal and external. But I think that's a function of, of my role, not so much my um, experience or the, or the projects necessarily. Yeah. What would you say is typical of like just your general entry-level civil engineer? Entry level, I'd say you probably are 70% designing, 30%, you know, email meetings, that sort of stuff. Just general business administration, talking, communicating. Yeah. Good. That, that really gives me a, at least a framework of like, okay, I'm a civil engineer. What am I doing all day long? Because you have this idea in college, you're just taking these classes, but oftentimes once you get into a role, it looks very different than what you had in your head. So that's really the goal of this show is to give people an idea of like, this is what it's going to feel like. I think you've painted an awesome picture. So thank you. Sure. And um, I will say too, you know, there's people I've seen come out of college and into the professional world and they've loved design. Like they, they want nothing to do with project management. They want nothing to do with contractors. They want to just sit in their cubicle and crunch numbers. I've also seen people who were very excited to design and they start it and they're like, this isn't what I thought it's going to be. And so they go more towards the project management role. So it's, it's really, you know, your experience, the way you, your company treats design, uh, the actual projects you're working on, you know, there's a variety of factors. And so I would say, whatever you do, come in with an open mind, don't close off design, don't close off project management, don't close off, you know, the idea of, I want to do only one thing. You can have a balance of both. And I feel like that's where I'm kind of at. Yeah. I got my, you know, foot in the design world and another foot in the project management world. Yeah. I think that can only benefit you because even if you're in a role that you maybe don't love for six months, a year, or a couple of years, if you are able to keep your options open and start to build skills 
towards other other roles, then you can bridge that gap and find yourself in a role that you actually do like. So that's good Absolutely. advice. Reed, what's the most challenging part of your job, would you say? And then on the flip side, what's the best part of the job for you? Um, challenging would probably be time management. I don't think, I mean, there's difficult design, but I think balancing, you know, five, six, eight projects at once with competing deadlines, competing resources, you know, I might have a designer on one of my projects who's also on five other projects. Um, and they say, I can't get to this. So I've got to find, you know, other resources or do it myself. So that, that can be really tough because it's, you have so many different deadlines that you just have to meet. So that can be tough. But the best part of the job is definitely when you can go on site and use something that you've designed. Um, there's such a transition for me, seeing something in Google Earth or seeing something in, in 2D AutoCAD to actually like, and in black and white, to seeing it you know, come to life and actually be, you know, be able to use it. I think that's really sweet. That's got to be a good feeling. I would imagine. Yeah. yeah. When you were first starting out, Reed, is there anything that you wish that you knew that you know now, or you would just go to a, you know, 22 year old Reed and be like, dude, listen, you need to know this. You need to know this. I, I would say I'd go back to the soft skills. Like, yeah, I think so many engineers come out of school and they're like, I need to know calculus or I need to know all these different formulas or, you know, this side or the other. You need to know how to interact with people of, you know, different personalities of different levels of expertise, of different backgrounds. I mean, really you have, you meet so many people across different projects, whether they're on the client side, uh, the contracting side, internally, you need to know how to manage and interact and communicate effectively with people. Reed, you mentioned time management being a bit of a challenge. How stressful overall do you feel like the job is? On a, if you could put it on a scale of one to 10, and then how do you deal with that stress? Um, I would say you know, there's days where it's a one, there's days where it's probably an 11. Yeah. Um, okay. I mean, it's just the whole range, but you know, certainly I would encourage anyone who is, you know, maybe entry level right now, if it, if it stays at 11, you need to find a new job. Yeah. If it stays at one, you need to find a new job. There's gotta be a good balance of, of, of deadlines and a little bit of a pinch, but also like you can't stay at that level and it's just not healthy. Yeah. But you know, on days when it is an 11 or weeks when it is an 11, you know, personally, I just try to exercise just to keep my head clear. But as far as, you know, what you can do on the job, if you can delegate, I mean, that's just, that helps get stuff off your plate. And that's, you know, really forming a relationship with people. I would feel really bad saying, Hey, can you take care of this for me? If that person knows I wouldn't do it for them or doesn't like me or, you know, whatever, I think being able to delegate and kind of you know, rebalance your workload is very effective. So meeting deadlines can be a little bit stressful when that crunch is there and there's a lot of deadlines to meet. Do you think it's pretty typical in your industry to see people working a lot of hours during those weeks just to meet those deadlines? Is it pretty common to be working, coming in early, working late? And what do you feel like is the max range that you would expect? Like oftentimes see people working like 90 hour weeks, 80 hour weeks, 60 or is it like, no, you can get, you can get by with a 40 hour work week. Um, all the above. I mean, contract hours are 40 hours for me. I, I've had a lot of weeks this year, fortunately, that have been 40 to 43. There's been other weeks where, you know, you can push 50, 60 at that point. I don't really go over that because at that point your brain is just fried. Yeah. But I mean, I, I've seen people work 80 hour weeks. It's, I say that not to be discouraging, but that's just kind of the nature of the business. 
it's good to know the reality of it. That's really a big, another part of this podcast. I really want people to understand is, you know, it's not corporate propaganda. We want to open the right doors for people that should be in these roles and then close the doors for it's like, Hey, if I never want to work a 60 hour work week, maybe, maybe engineering is not the path because there might be, it might be required sometimes. It's just, I would yeah. imagine most engineers are full-time. Do you ever see any part-time engineers? It's very rare. Yeah. Um, usually they're kind of on their way out to retirement and they, and they go from like an engineer to more of like a consultant for the firm. Yeah. Usually engineering because of that constant communication with clients or contractors, you can't be in Monday, Tuesday and out the rest of the week. Yeah. It makes sense. Reed, what's your favorite part of the workday? I know we kind of talked about like your favorite part of the job, but just like day to day, what do you enjoy the most or you look forward to? I'd say I just really enjoy like collaborating with people and problem solving. You know, I think that's kind of when you strip down engineering, it's problem solving. It's, you know, working with people who, you know, share that same passion as me and kind of taking a problem and coming up with a solution, whether it's a minor problem that's easily fixable or, um, you know, trying to figure out some complex design. I think that interaction with, with other like-minded folks is really nice. Who do you think would be a good fit for civil engineering? And then on the flip side, who might get burnt out or leave the profession early for whatever reason? I think people who have initiative would really thrive. That's not to say if you don't have initiative, you wouldn't do well. I know it can be intimidating coming out of college and not really, you don't even know where to take that initiative. Right. So don't get discouraged by that. But I think people who just really have a passion for problem solving and I don't even want to say math because like all the math I took in school is I think the math, the highest level math that I use is probably high school algebra, honestly. Um, and I took, you know, calculus and differential equations. Now there are engineers out there who use all that stuff, but it's, you know, it's non-civil. So, but you just have to be technically oriented, even though I said there is some soft skills involved, you still have to have a you know strong technical background and you just have to want to learn. Like there, there's not a day that goes by where I'm not, you know, really learning something new. And that's not cliche. It's just every day is a little bit different. I may not be learning something technical, but I may be learning like, oh, I should have handled that better. Or, you know, here's how I could say this next time. What's the turnover like in the industry? Do you see a lot of people get burnt out and leave really early? Or do you see like, no, actually people, once they get into the role and they kind of fit into the company, they, they stay a long time. I guess it's kind of, I'm trying to judge like, overall happiness of, of civil engineers. Do they like being civil engineers? <laughs> yeah, I, I'd say so. Yeah. I, I think, you know, with, with any industry, there's a point where, you know, you need to make a switch, whether it's, you know, company policy or whether it's kind of making the jump to get a higher paycheck, both of which, you know, you can't blame anybody. I'd say there's a good retention rate in the industry. I, I don't know about at certain companies. I think people jump around a lot, but you know, you find a good civil firm, like there's people at our company that have stayed for 20, 25, even 30 years. Hmm. So I, I think you find what you love and you just stick with it. Yeah. And you mentioned people leaving for, you know, higher incomes or whatever. I kind of do want to touch on the income piece of it as well. I guess just talk about what does entry level compensation typically look like, maybe mid-career and then late career, what's possible with civil engineering? Sure. Um, so I'd say it's a pretty safe bet or industry standard, I'd say that it's probably between 50 and 60 coming out of school. It, it could be even as high as like 65, 70. It just really depends on your firm. Yeah. I'd say a good a good entry level is probably 55, 60. You know, you're, if you stay at your firm for five, six, 10 years, you can start to crack six figures. 
I would say that the cap though for civil is probably less than the cap for software engineers, electrical engineers, mechanical. So if you're looking like long-term for like a high ceiling, it's not civil. Yeah. But if you're looking for something that will always be around, it's civil. I mean, people will always need to drive on roads. People will always need to, you know, have a house to live in with plumbing and water lines and people will always need to live their life. So it's not going anywhere. Do you know if there's a decent drop-off between private versus public civil engineers in terms of income, or is it fairly comparable? Um, and if you don't know, that's okay. I don't know for sure, but I know it it can be comparable, but probably a slight edge to private. Yeah. You get paid more, but at the same time, there's a lot of public agencies where you are, you know, out the door at five o'clock every day, no matter what. Um, so, you know, you take your trade off. Yeah, that is. Yeah. That's that work-life balance trade off. I I know that that's pretty common around most public versus private sector jobs. So I just kind of wanted to get a sense of it for engineering. Um, Reed, if you weren't doing civil engineering, this is just kind of a fun question. What would you be doing instead? Or did you ever consider doing anything else? No, you know, I've, I've thought about, you know, different things. If if money was like no object and, you know, I had it all the time in the world, I think owning a brewery would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, you know, I see those popping up everywhere. I mean, there's all, you know, a lot of chemistry involved. Like you have to learn how to operate machinery. There's chemistry involved with the actual beer itself. So that'd be cool. I'd love to do something with my hands. I'd say that's a downside of not civil engineering, but just kind of corporate life in general is being so tied to a desk. I would love to kind of be on a job site or, or, you know, kind of be up and about during my work day. How often do you get to go out on site? In non-COVID times, once a month, once every two months. So it was pretty rare even before COVID. For a designer, I'd say it's more rare. You can go on site visits, but as a project manager, it's, it's much more common, you know, going to client meetings, going to job sites. That makes sense. Yeah. So we just, I just have a couple more questions for you, Reed. I feel like we've really done a good job hitting all, all the points that I wanted to hit. Do you have any funny or interesting on the job stories, or you could even go awful horror stories if you want to tell one of those? I I can do one of each. Yeah, sure. Take it whatever direction you want, man. So uh, I won't say any names to protect the innocent um, of anything, but I was on a, a job site somewhere and something happened and nothing dangerous or bad, but just something happened that some people disagreed with. And the contractor, you know, came on site with a baseball bat. Wow. You know, no, nothing happened. There was no threats made, but just, you know, you just have to learn how to manage situations. And like I said, you know, interact with people and kind of learn how to talk to people who might be frustrated. <laughs> yeah. A guy with a baseball bat. I'm like, I'm sensing some frustration here, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I know he was frustrated at me because I was the one, you know, yeah. Having to deliver some bad news that he didn't like. Exactly. Yeah. But, you know, on the flip side, kind of giving, shedding some light into the, the private sector of engineering. If, if your company does well, there's no reason you can't reinvest in the company. You know, we get together once a year for an annual meeting where we just talk about what's been going on. How's the year been going? Uh, what are some highlights? What are some lowlights? We just get together. You know, usually there's a, an open bar, there's an activity, you know, bike riding, uh, one year we went to Pennsylvania and went skiing. So if if you think that you can deal with some occasional long weeks, but you're in a private company who can spend their money as they please, you might get rewarded with some cool stuff like that. Yeah, that's cool. You kind of touched a little bit on corporate culture there. How would you describe it? Is in civil engineering, just in general, do you feel like from your experience, it's very, very nerdy? Is it very bro culture? Is it kind of a good mixture of a lot of different personalities? I guess I just want people to get a sense of like, what does it feel like 
culture wise? Is there, is it always deadlines like super competitive? Is it played back? Kind of just go wherever you want with that. Yeah. Um, I, I'd say at our company, we kind of pride, pride ourselves on having a good company culture. I mean, certainly there's deadlines that's with anything, but now like we joke around, we've got a fantasy football league that we have. So, you know, we kind of joke around about that. I've been to my boss's tailgate for a football game. Well, I mean, we like to have fun. Like no one would stick around if it was just miserable. There's definitely corporate um, guidelines you have to stick to, I guess. Yeah, bureaucracy and boredom and red tape and all, all the stuff that comes with just any large company. Right. There, there's some fun involved. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Reed, I got one last question for you, my man. What's the best practical advice you would give to someone who wants to do what you do? Do you have any resources, any next steps, or just in general advice on how to how to land that first civil engineering job? That's a good question. There's a lot of advice. Um, I, I'd probably start with find a mentor, even if it's not one person, find someone, whether it's a civil engineer at a company you might be interested in, whether it's a professor, try to get some insight into what they actually do. Because so many of my classes I took in school don't even apply to what I do. Um, that's not to say if I wasn't a structural engineer or a, you know I was at a different company that they wouldn't apply. But I think school is, is very detached in some ways from what engineers actually do. Mm-hmm. And it's really important to kind of get a good idea of what like you've been asking me, like, what is a day to day? Yeah. You know, it, it's not all these different little calcs you do all day in and day out in school. So definitely try to find some insight. And, and like I said, I just think it's important that you are adaptable to interacting with different people. You know, whether it's taking a communications class in school, learn, learn how to work with people. You could have a, a weaker technical background. And if you know how to manage people or you're a good people person, I think that will take you far in engineering as well. Mm-hmm. Awesome, Reed. Thank you so much. I feel like that really gave us a good scope of what a civil engineer does. And uh, I'm excited to release this episode. Yeah, looking forward to it. It's like I said, this is my first podcast and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, good. Well, it was great. I appreciate it and I'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the What's That Job Like podcast. Two quick things. One, please subscribe and review the show. It takes less than a minute and it does a ton to help. Two, I would love your feedback. Is there a certain career you want to hear from, a question you'd like me to ask my guests, or anything else? Let me know. My email is jameson at whatsthatjoblike.com. Again, that's J-A-M-E-S-O-N at whatsthatjoblike.com. That is also where you can email me if you are interested in being a guest on my show. I am rapidly trying to get hundreds of interviews because I think that's how this whole project will come together and help as many people as possible. So again, please subscribe, and I'll catch you next time.